Yesterday, as I was uh, over here preparing for my sermon, Anne sent me a text message. Uh, She was at home, and she was getting the worship folder ready for Christmas Eve. If you didn't know that, Anne's actually the one who, who sets up the worship folder here. I just send her all the information and she plugs it all in. And she sent me a text saying, uh, uh, something's wrong. I can't just copy and paste. The formatting's all off. This is taking forever. I can't wait until Christmas Day. Because Christmas Day, we can finally rest, right? It's funny because, uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the Christmas season brings a dose of irony with it, doesn't it? We're told it's the most wonderful time of the year, that we're supposed to be holly and jolly, that the words peace and joy decorate people's homes. And yet as I view my own heart, and I know Anne's heart because she's opened up about it, we don't exactly uh, feel like it's the most wonderful time. We don't feel holly and jolly. We don't feel peaceful and joyful. Rather, we feel chaotic. We feel craziness all around us. We feel like we're being tossed around, barely being able to hold it all together until Christmas. Uh, It's almost like a bull rider, right? Trying to hang on for eight seconds before getting bucked off. Uh, That's how I feel. I'm hanging on for dear life to the Christmas season, being bucked around, uh, hoping to just make it to Christmas Day. Maybe you feel the same way. Craziness, chaos, being whipped around. When is the chaos going to end? Well, how do we deal with it? Well, as you can kind of guess, we, Ann and I have made a promise to ourselves that the craziness, the chaos is going to end soon. Christmas Day is going to be the day that the chaos ends. So push forward. And why do we do that? Because promises bring hope, right? When you promise yourself something and there's something to look forward to, you can push through the chaos of life, right? And that's how it is at Christmas time. During the holiday season, you say, I just need to make it to Christmas, and then the chaos is going to end. But then Christmas Day comes, and the day that's supposed to be so peaceful, so perfect, so relaxful, so restful, turns out to be just as crazy, doesn't it? As soon as you wake up, the kids, they want to open those gifts. Then the, the paper's everywhere. Oh, and then you, gotta, then you have to start cooking. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the chaos just continues as the kids uh, dive into all this sugar and they turn into little monsters. Uh, 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 what's supposed to be a fun gift exchange turns ugly when your cousin Hannah steals her brother Zach's gift and he's upset about it because he really wanted that gift and so now he's mad. Happiness and, and joy turns to sadness and loneliness as your heart aches because you want to be with family on Christmas. And in all of this, we're supposed to be worshiping a baby. A baby who, when he was born, the angels cried out, Peace on earth and goodwill toward mankind. Where is the peace? Where is the rest? When is the chaos going to end? I wonder if that's what King David felt. I wonder if that's what he thought. When is the chaos going to end? 
David knew all too well what chaos was like in life. For ten years, King Saul, the very first king of Israel, chased David around trying to kill him. For ten years, think about that. For ten years, he's on the run for his life because he, he's being threatened. Talk about chaos. Eventually, King Saul died and David took over the throne. And do you think David got on the throne and he said to himself, now the chaos is going to end because I'm in charge. I can control the chaos. I am in control here. Maybe. It's in the midst of all of this, it's in the midst of all of this that God comes to King David and he makes him a promise. He says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, I am going to place someone on your throne and they are going to rule forever. I'm going to establish your kingdom and it will last forever. And I will bring it rest. And in response, David writes Psalm 132 and that's what we are focusing on today. Psalm 132, we're picking up at verse 10. And here's what we're told. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them... What do we know to be true about life? People promise chaos. They promise to bring chaos, don't they? If you notice, God says, one of your descendants, one, I will place on the throne. And then within that promise, God makes a, what we call a bilateral covenant. A promise between two individuals. God says, I promise this on the basis that you follow through. So two-way covenant. God says, assuming your descendants, assuming your descendants obey me, they listen to my word, you will have someone on your throne forever. Israel will be a nation on earth and they will rule and I will rest there. With each passing generation, I wonder if Israel began to think, is this the one? Is this the king who's finally going to bring rest? Is this the king who's going to uh, stop the chaos and bring the kingdom that God promised? Is Is he the one? Well, what did they find out? With each passing generation, they just kept bringing more and more chaos. Even David himself brought chaos. Why? Because all these kings are sinful individuals, right? Last week we touched on it a little bit. King David was uh, a great king, horrible family man. King David was the one who who started uh, on it. He was on his throne and and he was the peeping Tom. He, He watched as Bathsheba bathed herself. And then he sent for her. He committed adultery with her. She had a husband. He had wives. He committed adultery with her. She became pregnant. And to cover up his sin... He had Bathsheba's husband murdered. He was a horrible family man. And because he was a horrible family man, he was a horrible dad, distant father, his son Absalom was bitter towards him and hated him. 
And he rose up and tried to kill his own father. And so what did David have to do? He had to go on the run again. He spent 10 years earlier in his life running, and now as he's king, he has to go on the run from his own son. Talk about chaos. And David brought it on himself. King Solomon, David's son, uh, ruled after David. And though the the nation as a whole experienced peace from the outside, inside uh, it was pretty chaotic. They were prosperous, yes. But King Solomon had all these ties in the outside world through political marriages. In fact, the Bible tells us he had 300 wives and 700 concubines. If you're keeping track at home, that's 999 too many. (laughs) And these wives introduced false gods into the nation and led people away, including King Solomon. King Solomon himself bowed down and worshipped other gods, we're told. And because he did, God said, look, you did not keep up your end of the bargain. And because you didn't and you brought this chaos into the nation, I'm tearing it from King David's line. Now you won't, own, you won't control the whole nation. You'll only control the bottom two tribes known as Judah and Benjamin. The other ten will be ruled by another family. And that's what happened. Chaos as they split. For about 300 years, they had civil war. And finally, God said enough. The nation of Assyria came down and took over the northern tribes and wiped them out. The two southern tribes held on. King David's line held on until about 580 B.C. when the Babylonians came over and took over and deported them over to Babylon. When was the chaos going to end? When was this one that God promised would sit on His throne come? How come this one wouldn't come? Why why was none of these people... Fulfilling God's promise? Well, because again, people promise chaos. They promise to bring chaos. That's it. That's all these kings contributed. Yes, they could contain chaos, but they more likely contributed to the chaos. When was the chaos going to end? We're really no different, are we? We rely on people to end the chaos. Our own nation just went through one of the most verbally abusive elections in history. Why? Because both sides believe that their candidate would end the chaos going on in our nation and in the world. Michelle Obama just said on Friday, uh, we now know what it's like to have no hope. The ho- both sides are looking to their candidate to bring them hope, to end the chaos in life. But newsflash, neither one of them can. Neither one of them can end the chaos. Why? Because they're both sinful individuals. They're both more likely to contribute to the chaos than end it. Maybe you don't look to a political leader to end the chaos. Maybe you look to yourself. Maybe uh, you want to end the chaos in your life and so you get stuck to your, your schedule. You have your day planned out to the minute. But what happens as soon as something goes not according to plan? Worry, anxiety, what chaos is going to ensue now? 
Maybe you just try to micromanage every situation. You don't like to delegate anything because uh, if you delegate something, they could screw it up. They could cause, cause chaos, but if I'm in control of it, I can control the chaos. But again, what happens? We realize I can't even control the chaos. And as chaos is, is ensuing, as it's exploding, we're filled with worry, fear, anxiety. And we just contribute to the chaos as we lash out, we lose our patience, we become angry. Not to mention, we can't control our own chaos. We can't control the chaos out there. We can't control the drunk driver. We can't control what our boss does or say. We can't control what our kids do or say in school. That can add some chaos to your life, can it? And yet we continue to look to people to end the chaos. We, we say things like, if only my spouse helps out a little more around the house, my chaotic life w- would be less chaotic. We say things like, if only my kids would behave, or if only they would grow up a little faster, then I'd get past the stage of life and the chaos would end. We're relying on people. When is the chaos going to end? Well, if we keep relying on people like Israel did, the chaos is never going to end, right? But what does God promise? God promises rest. David finishes Psalm 132, his song, by saying this, For the Lord has chosen Zion. Zion was a hill in Jerusalem, uh, the hill that the temple was built on. So here David says, The Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. Here in this two-way promise, we have a one-way promise, don't we? God says, look, I know your sons are not going to listen to me, but I'm going to make a one-way promise with you, David. I will sit enthroned on the holy hill of Jerusalem. I will rule. I will come from David's line and rule on his throne forever. And that's what we see, don't we? The descendant of King David, God Himself, Jesus Christ, came into the world on Christmas night. And unlike David's uh, ancestors and, and descendants, he, he didn't come looking like a king. He didn't come with great power. Rather, he came in weakness. His power was masked in weakness. So we don't find him born in a palace. We find him born in a stable. We don't find him placed on, on a, a, all these red velvety cushioned pillows. We find him placed in a feeding trough, a manger. His life wasn't full of glory and honor. He didn't come with an army. His power was masked in weakness. And one day that baby would grow up and he would wear a crown. But it wasn't a crown of gold. It was a radiant crown of thorns. And as the world watched, 
and accused him of weakness as he hung from that cross with the sign above him that read, Here is the King of the Jews. He displayed one of the greatest acts of power. Only to be followed up by the second, by the most greatest act of power, and that was when he rose victorious from the grave. He was dead and rose back to life. In a matter of three days, he conquered his enemies, the princes, death, sin, and the devil. He shamed them and he rescued us from their power. That's what this descendant of David did. That's what this king did. He came to deliver us from their power. And here's the best thing about uh, this king. God gave us the king we needed, not the one we necessarily wanted. You see, if it was up to you and me, what king would we have suggested? What king would we have wished for? We would have wished for a king that would have ended the chaos of this life, right? Lord, I don't want to feel any more chaos in life. I don't want any more problems. Take away the chaos. Send a king to give me rest here on earth. But that's like going out to your grass and pulling out a weed with the root still underneath. Yes, it takes care of the immediate problem, but the root's still there and chaos will come back up. And so God said, I'm going to send you the king you need. You need a king that's going to deal with the root of the problem, and that's what our king came to do. He came to deal with the root of the problem. And it wasn't to to come to bring peace to this earth, to end the chaos of this life. No, He came so that we might have eternal rest. That we might one day go to His heavenly kingdom where there, it is always the most wonderful time of the year. People are holly and jolly. People are filled with peace and joy forever. Because there, there is no pain. There are no sorrows, no tears. There's only peace and eternal rest. That's the king that God promised to send and that's the king that He did send. The one that delivered us from our sins. But what's the life application today? This is, this is great. You know, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. We have the promise. We have hope. Uh, one day we are going to rest from the chaos. But how does that help me now? Because guess what? Life still has chaos in it, right? Jesus himself said that in John, uh, in John chapter 14. He said, in this life you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Your king sits at the right hand of God. And He promises that He's ruling all things, not for your earthly good, but for your eternal good. So that one day you may have eternal rest. He promises that He's always with you. And so what does that mean? That means when cancer is brought into your family and causes chaos like crazy, that means that your King is with you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's bringing you closer to Him and know that He will never leave you. And He's working all things for your eternal good. That means that as you have financial problems, you can know that your heavenly King has power and authority over everything. He has access to everything that you need and He will provide for you. As you worry about the future and the chaos that the future might bring, yes, you don't know what's coming, but you know the one who does know what's coming. And you know He's working all things 
for your eternal good. Christmas is a thrilling time, isn't it? At Christmas, we worship the newborn king. In just six days, we get to celebrate Jesus is born in Bethlehem. And that same king was born and he made a promise to you. And what he said the night before he died was this. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Promises bring us hope, right? We see the light at the end of the tunnel. Rest is in our future. Eternal rest. The chaos will end when our King comes back to take us to be with Him forever in His Father's home, in the palace of heaven, where there's no chaos, but only rest and peace. Praise God this Christmas that He keeps His promises. Amen. Please stand. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for coming into this world to defeat the princes of chaos, sin, death, and the devil. We ask that as we go through life, keep us close to You through the chaos that we face. Amen.